Welcome to the Inspire Church podcast. We hope this message will equip and empower you to reach your God-given potential. Inspire Church is all about loving God, loving people, and inspiring our world. Visit inspirechurch.com.au for more information. Genesis, if you're going to preach, start in the beginning. Genesis 1, chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. This morning, I spoke about, I'll just go there for a couple of minutes. This morning, I spoke about that you ought to live full and die empty. Because God is attracted to emptiness. Most of us think that God is attracted to fullness. And most of us think that God will use us when we get more of something. But actually, the very nature of God is that He's attracted to empty things to which His Holy Spirit hovers over. And then out of the empty, He produces something great. That's what God does. And we use the passage of Scripture in 2 Kings 13. I mean, I'd, empty sounds negative, right? I mean, I don't like it when my stomach's empty and I've got to have dinner and I, you know, it's making noises. You know, I don't like it. I used to, when I was, uh, first got my license, I, 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 I thought filling my car up was too annoying and I didn't have much money anyway, so I would regularly run out of fuel. So that kind of empty is not good. But according to the Bible, God enjoys empty. And in 2 Kings 13, 20, just quickly, let's read it again. A strange story. Then Elisha died, was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bone, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. And my point this morning, and I'm going to take it further tonight is that what on earth was Elisha doing with power still in his body? And I want to suggest to you tonight that you and I should not die with gifts, talents, resource, power that was meant for earth, but somehow doesn't get used while we're here. In other words, the goal of life is not to accumulate things, but the goal of life is to get what's on you out into the next generation. This generation need what you have on your life. They need it. And so this evening as we unpack this a bit more, we talked this morning about the oil. The woman who said she had nothing except a flask of oil. She sent her sons out, you know the story two kings, she sent her sons out to get empty jars and the only time the oil kept flowing was while there was an empty jar. And we want more of God, but sometimes you can't get more of God because you haven't used what he put in you 12 months ago. It's still in you. And I use this as an example. I said that some of you are waiting for, you know, you think, oh, I've got a little bit. Oh, God won't use that. So we'll just do a bit more. And, and then if, if only I can get to the conference, hear that speaker. You know, if Pastor John would come and see me personally, he would lay hands on me. Uh, Luke would tell one of those really great offering messages. If I just could get any of those combinations going and then God will use me. But God's not looking for that. God's looking for this. He's looking for empty. And so don't wait to get full. 
full is, is relative to your understanding of what full is. Because I think that when you receive Christ, you receive the fullness of Christ. Appreciate that response. I know it's been hot. So I want to add to it tonight, part two. Let's go to Jeremiah 48. This is an interesting thing. It might get a little awkward in here. You okay? Jeremiah 48, verse 11. Moab, same people, has been at ease from his youth. He has also been undisturbed and settled like a wine on his dregs. And he has not been emptied from one vessel to another. Nor has he gone into exile, therefore his flavor remains in him, and his scent has not changed. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will send to Moab those who will tip or tilt him over, and who will empty his vessels and break his jars into pieces. God is not happy with Moab. Because he says things like this, you have lived for yourself, you live your life with ease, you are undisturbed by what's around you. Your environment does no longer bother you, you're getting on with your life, he said, Moab. You don't have any war, there's no complacency, there's complacency. you don't have anything to fight for, nobody to fight against, nobody to fight for. Uh, you have few enemies, and what you have, you share with no one. And he says, Moab, you are like a wine barrel that is undisturbed. I want to say to you tonight that while I, like you, am faithful, been in my church since I was 11 years of age, the upside of faithfulness is God will always use you the downside of faithfulness, God will constantly bring someone or something in your life to tilt you, to disturb you, because we get used to the life we have. We like it. We like it in, in all its form. Tomorrow's work, we'll do our things, study, TAFE. We'll go throughout the motions. We'll come again to Saturday, mow the lawn. Sunday will do at the service we prefer. And all of the things, we've got life fairly sorted out. But God says, I created you to be disturbed by the world around you. And if that doesn't disturb you, I will send someone to disturb you. I don't like it. I want a different theology. I would prefer the happy clappy, God would never challenge me or push me, but it appears that God loves you and I so much that he brings circumstances to tip your life in such a way that it unsettles you so that you would notice other things around you other than your life. About uh, two years ago, my wife and I and uh, my daughter Soph, we went, to, we went to France. And of course, if you're in France, anywhere near Bordeaux, you should visit a winery. That's what we did. And uh, just for the fun of it. 
And I went to a winery. I, don't, I had always assumed, and I'm not good at making wine, clearly, but I had assumed that wine once crushed the grapes and put in the barrel, I had assumed you just leave it alone. But I was shocked to find out that a good wine over its maturing phase gets taken from one barrel to the next, to the next, to the next, and it constantly gets moved so that, as the Scripture said, the dregs don't settle and the wine becomes wasted. And God says, what did I say this morning? God uses pictures of what you know to teach you in life about what you don't yet know. And God is using the word to describe human nature. And he says, your life, if you're not careful, contains the, the oil, the fluid, if you like, of the Holy Spirit. But if from time to time that barrel does not move, then the taste is off. And in fact, the scripture says that you have been undisturbed and your scent has never changed. You smell the same you did today as you did 25 years ago. I want to be loyal, and I am. And I want to be faithful, and I am. But I recognize the consequence of that means I get very good at settling in. I get very good at loving the life that I've chosen. And he's saying that Moab, you are like a wine that has become immovable. You're like that special bottle of wine. Who's got that special bottle of wine at home? You know, you, you either bought it or somebody gave it to you. You know, it's, uh, it's uh, the wine we got at our wedding. We've been married 30 years. And so we dare not touch it. It's on the shelf. Or who grew up, I did, who grew up with a mother who had the special lounge that's just for the guests, right? My mum put plastic on it. So here we are, all my life growing up, we're all sitting, we, we live in the house. We're all sitting on the dirty lounge and opposite us is the lounge, the special one, waiting for the guests to come with plastic on it. And if we did touch it, You'd hear mum, hey, hey, are you touching the special lounge from across the room? The funny thing was, the special people never came. <laughs> and we, I spent my whole life, I spent my whole life staring at that wretched special lounge. I'm her son for crying out loud. Can I at least sit on the lounge at once in my life? But no, it's like the special cutlery. You know, comes out with the special guests that never came. So I've got the special lounge, I've got the special cutlery. We've got the special glassware that we're not allowed to drink from. You know, mum acts like it's worth millions. It was probably five bucks at her, and she, but it's special. Don't touch the special stuff. It's like, who loves the movie The Castle? It's like Daryl, right? His daughter goes to Bali for a honeymoon. She brings him back a cheap letter opener in the package. And what does Daryl do? 
That's going straight to the pool room. I'm not even going to unwrap it, he says. I'm not, I, it's too good to unwrap. Is that how you become? What God has given you is so special for you that we don't want to take it out just in case we break it. Just in case we mess with it. My faith and my Christianity, it's my special gift. Oh, you wouldn't say it. But there it is. Personal. It's my personal faith. And it never goes out. Nobody's allowed to touch it. And, it's, and you're waiting for the special person to walk into your life so they can take advantage of that special thing. I want to say something tonight. I want you to go home. I want you to get that 30-year-old bottle of wine. I want you to crack it open. I want you to go to the lounge and I want you to rip the plastic off because you only get one life and there's no point saving everything up for something special. That You ought to take what you got and you ought to use it for the sake of other people. Get what is in you out of you. I will bet that that 30-year wine tastes pretty damn horrible anyway when you get to, I tell you, to be so settled. <laughs> How do you know you've been tilted? How do you know you've been tipped? When the, when the equilibrium of your life starts to shift. And you think, because you've got a great theology, you think God would never do that to me. He loves me too much. He would never make me feel... All of a sudden, my life feels like it was going great, and then I just can't quite stand in the same position I've been in all my life, and it was going so well, and it's just been tilted. God says to Jonah, you know the whale story, the storm. God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh. So he goes in the opposite direction. And God sends a whale and a storm. And then he obeys God and he heads in the direction he's supposed to go. I have a question about that story. To God. I've got to question God. Why bother? Why bother with a whale? And why bother with a storm? It's just a good question. It seems to me God's got a whole bunch of people he could use at any given time. So God, if, if Jonah is too busy not doing your will, we'll just get another person. But God doesn't get another person. He sends a whale and he sends a storm. And I think God is way more interested in your destiny than you are. And that when you have been called to something and when you go into your place of calling tomorrow and you can't work out why it's always tilted and you think uh, that must be the enemy, you've been rebuking the devil, but you haven't noticed the workplace you're in is full of lost people. You haven't noticed that the university you go through is full of lost people and you're thinking, I've got to keep rebuking the devil. But God's trying to tilt you in such a way that you would be disturbed and yet you would follow exactly what it is. I'm not saying every time. But God is and will send whales and storms and all sorts of things. Too many people say, they reflect it. They say it's, it's, it's external. Oh, that must be uh, uh, my wife. She's become a pain in the neck. I'll get a new one. 
My husband used to love him, just annoys me. I'll get another one. My job, my job's annoying. I'm leaving my job. My church, he annoys me. I'm going. And we constantly refer to anything that disturbs us as an external force, but highly likely it's an internal force called God trying to disrupt you to fulfill your destiny. I say to my church regularly, I've been there since I was 11. I say, in my church, I have been offended over 100 times deeply. And 50 of them were your fault. (laughs) The other 50 were mine. But strangely, I'm still here. Because offense is one of the great ways God disturbs you. I'm going soon. Offence is one of the great ways God disturbs you. Because we have a ceiling that we believe we can handle, we're quite spiritual, we got it covered, and then God brings the one thing just slightly more offensive than what we thought we could handle. (laughs) He's got a sense of humour about it. (laughs) God brings tilters, people, circumstances in order to get what's in you out so that it doesn't settle, so that it regains and has a new scent all the time, that it's a fragrance to others. You know, it seems to me that Jonah didn't really seem to get it because even though he went to Nineveh, let's have a look at it in chapter 4, let me read you in verse 5, then Jonah went out of the city and sat east of it and there he made himself a shelter, sat under its shade so that he could see what would happen in the city. So the Lord God prepared a plant. This is the Lord God, not Satan, the Lord God. The Lord God prepared a plant that grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head. Good, nice one. That's what I expect of him. Uh, To spare him discomfort, thank God. Just the picture of God, I imagine. Under pressure, bring me shade, Lord. Good, we've got this thing sorted out. Then Jonah was extremely... Happy about it, the protection of the plant. But then God prepared a worm. That's not the God I'm used to. God prepared a worm when morning dawned the next day and it attacked the plant and withered it. So God brings shade. We're happy. All is good. And then God, the same God, brings a worm to take rid of, get rid of the shade that he brought just days earlier. And I have found... Since I've been a Christian, since six years of age, God is both the shade bringer and the worm bringer. When Pastor Bill, my pastor, gave me the church 17 years ago, he accidentally had a meeting with me three years before and said, Paul, I want you to be the senior pastor. I was the youth pastor. I had never imagined myself as a senior pastor. I don't have time tonight, but I want to describe in, in a nutshell, the next three years. I had never been ambitious. I all of a sudden became ambitious. And the next three years were hell on earth. Because I watched God, another day I'll tell the story. I watched God take me from comfortable youth pastor 
to potential senior pastor, let all of my selfish ambition rise, and he brought a worm that I can tell you honestly, he brought a worm in my life. The day Bill Beard handed me the church, in my head and heart, I said I have zero ambition to be a senior pastor. The only reason I did it was out of obedience to the Lord. I think that the same God that brings shade is the same God that brings the worm because he's trying to get our flesh out of us. So what we bring to our calling is more of him and a whole lot way less of us. Ironically, I have lots of problems, by the way, and I have sin. I'm like you. But the one thing I don't struggle with ever since that day is ambition. In fact, you talk to John, I have conversations with him all the time. I fight, physically fight promotion at any level. I'm not interested. Couldn't care less. I'm up for it if God's for it, but I'm not remotely interested as a person to set my own track and to set my own path. I'm not fussed. Last thought. God uses realisation to tilt you. Remember the story of the four lepers in two kings? They got cast out of the city because that's what happens to lepers. God brings uh, the sound of an army to scare off the enemy. So now the city's vacant. They see that the city's vacant. They go in to the city and there's a huge pile of food and wealth. And they take their very first bite. And what does one of them say? This is not right. We should not eat this spoil for ourselves. We should share it. Did you know God uses realization moments, those eureka moments that are hard? I don't think I'm here now. It's what I thought I wanted. But now that I'm here, I don't think I should keep it to myself. The prodigal son thinks he needs inheritance, wants inheritance, finds himself in a pigsty. And the Bible says, when he came to his senses, (laughs) he went back home and fulfilled his calling. And I think you and I have these kind of eureka moments that we need from time to time. I want to suggest to you tonight as we finish, and I know Pastor John is going to come up and he's going to talk to you about, we do similar thing, first fruits. But I want to encourage you, don't be scared of emptying yourself. And even in this situation, there's, a, there's kind of like an empty, emptying of finance because we, we, nobody talks about but we, we really do love money. It buys us stuff. It's funny, you know, I go into BCF because I'm a fisherman. I spend 100 bucks. I don't even think about that, baby. I'm like, don't, I don't even blink. And I go with my wife and she's talking about spending 100 bucks on a dress or something. Internally, I wouldn't say it out loud. Don't tell her. I think I can't believe she's spending 100 bucks on a dress. And I'm in turmoil because money, money's nothing until you put it in context. So you might be, out, you might be like me. You might go to BCF and spend 100, 200 bucks. And now John, John might be challenging you to give 200, 100 bucks here and you're incensed. Oh, can't believe they would even ask me for that. You won't blink when you head out the door and spend on something you like. I actually think these kind of things, aside from John reaching nations, is one of the way God disturbs us.
and he pushes our trust back onto him. That we don't lean in or rely on money to do our things. I said this morning that Jesus was the ultimate emptier outer. Even on the cross, he wasn't finished. He turned to the soldier, the person next to him, rather, on the cross. And he still gave of himself for that, soul, for that person. Today, I know it feels like that life is sapping our energy. I'm not talking about sapping energy. Tonight, I'm talking about this God-given opportunity where you get to choose. I could hold my life tight or I could relent to his disturbing and I could unfurl and I could let him just move me from barrel to barrel from time to time. We just close your eyes. I want to pray for you tonight just before Pastor John comes up. Father, I thank you for every single person. God, we're not in any way wishing a tilt on anybody. But Lord, we don't want to smell the same our whole life. God, we don't want the dregs to settle. We want to have a fresh spirit. Lord, we want to, uh, we receive, albeit not so gladly, we receive the tilt that you currently have us in so that what's truly been put in us by you will be released. Thank you for listening to this life-transforming message. For service times, upcoming events, or to find out more about Inspire Church, log on to inspirechurch.com.au.